Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hi, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Oh, we have a special guest here today. It's been a minute. Yeah, we haven't had a guest on in a while. Let's welcome Kelly Lamb of Rue Magazine. Hi, thanks for having me. I feel like I'm crashing like this fun party, this fun coffee date. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, thank you for agreeing to our wild pitch in High Point. (laughs) (laughs) I really, let's be honest, was like, you have a podcast? Can I come talk to you? (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, this is our show. We make whatever we want. And sometimes the episodes get a little off the rails. I don't think this will be one of them, but... (laughs) Oh, I, I've been having margaritas since seven. So, oh my god, <laughs> I have had two cups of coffee. Um, yeah, we've been like you've been on our list for a long time, and then when we saw you at High Point again, we're like, okay, let's make this happen. And she's got exciting things to talk about. So, let's start with a little about Kelly. Like, tell us your whole life story. Okay, sure. So, I In was born at. <laughs> um well I'm assuming professionally would be more of interest it would be a different podcast if you wanted to know my personal life story though there's some highs and lows in that too (laughs) Um, yeah I've been with Rue for about 10 years and uh when I was living in San Francisco I I mean it's like I used to be like I moved because I'm an independent woman but I did move for my husband (laughs) we met he was living in San Francisco so I quit my job quit everything and moved there and then thought like, I mean, maybe just cause I watched a million rom-coms. I was like, and I'm going to get a job like that, which I didn't. <laughs> like so, live your Kate Hudson fantasy. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I really thought. But then I couldn't get a job in like my, I had worked in e-commerce and no one was, no one would hire me or even give me an interview. And so then Rue was hiring and I had been a blogger and had mutual friends and just was going to events in the city. So I wrote the founder, Crystal Palachek, like the most passionate email I've ever written in my life, like begging, could you, I know that I'm older than, it it was for an internship. And I was like, I'm sure you thought a college student would be applying like, but can I just do it? And mostly it was like, at the very least, I'll meet people who can help me find a job down the road. But then I just fell in love with, I was able to write, you know, for work, which is what I always dreamt of doing. So then it was just 10 years of like incredibly hard work, no sleep, like doing more than I was asked for. And when um, Crystal was ready to pursue her design business full time, it was sort of just a natural transition that I would take over more formally. And then a lot of little tiny things happened in between. And (laughs) Danny Seo, my business partner, acquired the magazine officially at the end of 2020. And then I invested some of my own money so that I could be a part owner with him. And then we launched a print magazine. And that is a very quick, you said two minutes. I, I maybe I went over, but I got it out as quick. <laughs> no, that, I mean, I feel like there, yeah, I want to know more about some of that. That's what was your, I'm just curious, what was your blog focused on when you were doing that? Pass. No kidding. It was. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was um humiliatingly a fashion blog which I think was like ends to I wanted a blog yeah. and I that was kind of like the genre of what I knew and I wasn't very I love design and lifestyle but that wasn't really my world and so I actually like my first blog was I went a year without shopping like without buying any clothes for a year and that was how because I started a blog and it was just like a weird sad online diary and I was like okay I need a topic (laughs) like (laughs) give me a lens to go through yeah so I set a goal to not shop for an entire year and then after that I had a pretty good following from that journey and so it was just a fashion blog because that was what everyone was doing but it's I don't really care about fashion now so it's kind of silly that I would like devote all this time I know a lot of people that are ex-fashion bloggers and I am thinking like when you're in your 20s and before you have a home like you can't like just redecorate a room per se so like fashion is an accessible style that you can do like in a high low kind of way or low low (laughs) there's a lot of (laughs) ways of expressing just you and do you think that at the time I mean I'm a I'm a long time blog follower not writer per se I mean I started following my first blogs when in like 2000 and no one knew what they even were but I I wish I'd written one now I'd have a million followers but um don't you feel like there weren't a lot of home bloggers like there are now well I mean if for like OG Rue fans it was founded by design bloggers the founders were Crystal um I I think her I can't I'm not gonna say it because I don't want to mess up what her blog name was and then Ann Sage who was City Sage yeah Yeah, she was a co-founder and then on the um the first like team was Brie Emery of Design Love Fest and Cass Laval of Coco Kelly so that was like the original four for the first two years and so it kind of was um and Maya was was one of the first designers right Yeah, Maya, um, Maya started just right before I did and she was, did all the graphic design. So I know her, she lives locally to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have like my fond memories of being in her apartment in Oakland until like midnight getting the digital, because it was all digital (sighs) and getting the issues done and feeling like, then actually feeling like my Kate Hudson dreams are coming true. Yeah. so glamorous like was, your babies yeah. are like all of that hard work comes out and you get to see it all come to fruition and watch the traffic build and yeah and it was I mean I think one of my first tasks was like manage the Instagram account which was so different than what Instagram is today and like some of the stuff like we yeah all of it was like very fit into like it was relevant for the time and so it's interesting to see how far we've come where, well, and what it and, is now I mean all those people you mentioned including yourself like literally created what Instagram is now in a way yeah. like you were the pioneers I don't think I did. <laughs> well you're part of it yeah I think it, it definitely seeing especially now it's interesting how much has come full circle and I mean I remember having my blog and then going to my corporate office and being like humiliated like people like you just take pictures of yourself and like share and then when I what a bunch of haters (laughs) I hope they listen no 
people some people have been supportive but like it was like a weird thing that I would use the internet to like show my life like that and I remember taking pictures of your lunch every day (laughs) people being like finding it really off-putting and then now I mean who doesn't share their lives on Instagram and like create these online personas so Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I did it and I'm glad that I had that creative drive because it really was what opened the door and then as Rue like did grow I remember having some like other embarrassment of like I so I felt embarrassed that I was like putting myself out there a little bit and then when we started to have success I felt like a little bit of an imposter like you know as as our audience grew and we're competing with these like really big really traditional publications and I'm like just clack clacking away at my computer and my or at my dining table really most of the time like creating this platform yeah so it's it's really cool that it's become what it has become given where we came from and that some of those big publications are no longer as well like I mean you have to be scrappy now I think that's our our benefit if anyone Danny and I are scrappy and we make we're a lean team and we just like make it happen which I think is the benefit but I do always laugh like my joke is people will say I'd love to come visit the Rue headquarters and it's just like me and my cat Roxanne (laughs) I mean it's not it's not there's a lot of really amazing people but we don't have like the overhead of like some big fancy office like we really do things as efficiently as we can I think that's why we're able to continue printing a magazine especially with yeah. everything going on today do you think you ever you will guys can have adapt an quickly too sorry. sorry do you think you ever will have an office is that something that you guys dream of, I think or? probably um probably as you know growth is inevitable but like right now I'm in this room that I'm in now is the first office I've ever had that's my own and so so much of it has been like done at my dining table or on the sofa (laughs) and so like when we moved into this house there was a room that I could make into like an actual official office and it that is like so surreal and I've been a lot more productive I have to say (laughs) does help Mm -hmm. for like the number of articles I've written about like having a dedicated home office is essential and then it took me this long to get one but I I think as things grow it will make sense but for now we're we found a system and a way to operate that really works for us. Plus we're traveling all the time. Like there's a trade show every month. (laughs) And why there's so many, it's so much travel for you guys. That's, that's a ton of like hitting the road, packing your bags for this. And I have a travel curse as Instagram followers know. So it's not great for me to be in airports that often. Yeah, because there's usually a delay or a layover or your flight gets canceled or you sit on the runway for a couple hours and then it doesn't take off. (laughs) Every time, yeah. The Kelly Lamb travel curse is, I don't know. I don't know what flight attendant I pissed off. I'm so- (laughs) Who like cursed you at some point? Like I know, I but I'm like really- I think I'm a very kind traveler so I think the curse actually comes from like maybe someone just was bored on a plane and was like we're gonna ruin that girl's life so I never go to or from a trade show without sitting on the runway for three hours oh, don't ever fly with me that's the we'll podcast has gone you. off the we'll rails we'll just meet you at Vegas market don't fly <laughs> from LA together like <laughs> 
No, because once I got stuck in Vegas due to a snowstorm. I did too. I was that one. Yeah. And of all places, Vegas for a snowstorm. Like no one's thinking about that. I was like tweeting. I remember I tweeted Lady Gaga and I was like, is your private plane here? I gotta get home. (laughs) I gotta get home. (laughs) Yeah. So much of what you just described about like the journey of Rue, I feel like resonates with so many designers of like, being scrappy, staying small, like watching your overhead, like having to get help from, from a smaller team or like all of that. And so I think that's interesting. Cause yeah, we do think of like the big media publications where they have, everyone has an expense account and you can send interns to go do stuff and you yeah. can, you can have fact checkers that go back or people They're Miranda who are Priestly life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's so much more that like I identify with, with the fact that Rue works that way is it's like, oh wait, like you really do get how many, so many of these designers are really like trying to pull together these projects and get them ready and like create something that they can be really proud of and that their clients are happy with too. Like you're creating the same environment there. Yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said too about, like I sometimes like, know of people who have these huge teams and I'm like what are they doing all day but like also at the same time I have zero work-life balance so maybe Mm -hmm. there's something I could learn from that but we were (laughs) laughing um last week because we had uh this like big fancy dinner celebrating my new book one night and then the next day at like 9 a.m we were making hundreds of gift bags in like the burning sun (laughs) somewhere Mm -hmm. like and so we were like one day like you're sipping cocktails on the rooftop and the next day you're doing manual labor in a parking lot and but and at the same unpaid time intern again yeah uh-huh. <laughs> but it, it's I think it keeps us and I mean even in those moments we like had a million ideas as we're like putting product after product into these bags of like future editorial and different campaign ideas and so in a way it's like like by doing so much of it you're I think able to be more innovative versus you know getting used to like this is my these are my tasks and these are what I delegate like it's nice to have I guess be flexible and humble with everything and the ideas bleed between each other Mm -hmm. and be close being close to the actual work I feel like is important to stay I don't know, knowledgeable and like emotionally attached. There's somewhere there's a balance. Yes. <laughs> but but from so another thing I was thinking is how your story relates probably to a lot of us is pushing through the imposter syndrome. It's like I have imposter syndrome and I'm still moving forward and believing in yourself beyond like the embarrassment like you were maybe you said you were embarrassed going into work like saying what you were doing but also you knew something they didn't even though it seemed you didn't really know where it was going at the time I don't know I yeah. just think like you're have- right Rebecca I did know something they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well no, it's usually it's- I would say men well not necessarily uh-huh. always but like I think like a lot of bloggers we're women, are women, and we don't get credit for that kind of work. And women have created this 
multi-billion dollar social media industry, mommy bloggers, you know, all that shit that it's helped millions of people. And a lot of men made are now making a lot of money off of it. So Uh yeah, it's, I think, well, and I think it's like any creative work, whether it's blogging or design or writing or anything, it's, it's a risk to put yourself out there, but it is like kind of tapping into what you know you're good at or what you want to do or what the future you see for yourself is and just Mm -hmm. being okay with being uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm still here. Nervous, nervous. No, it's, it is definitely that feeling though of like that risk, like just put yourself out there and go for it. Do you think you're um, actually like attracted to the discomfort? I hope not. Probably though. (laughs) I think I am. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think putting myself in challenging, challenging situations that take me out of my comfort zone, like whether it's this podcast or I hosted creative mornings for a while, I was terrified of public speaking, but doing that, like now I'm not. So I don't know. Now I know like the more I put myself in these situations, growth will happen and only you can do it. Yeah. Growth. I mean, I hate to say um, that I'm a member of like the Peloton cult, (laughs) but there (laughs) I am, unfortunately. And like the instructors will say stuff about like discomfort as you're like just doing an awful workout, like pedaling to nowhere, but they'll say someone said something that was like, you can't grow. Like you don't grow unless you're uncomfortable for a little while. And I think you're, Mm -hmm. you're right in that. I really enjoy I I'm always putting my head down and working like so I have a hard time celebrating when something happens but I'll occasionally have these like step away and look at how far Rue has come and how far I have come personally and be like oh that I'm really proud of that and I think I enjoy looking like looking at the progress I don't think I enjoy feeling uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) no it doesn't feel good in the moment but I guess it's like okay I'm never gonna get to the next thing unless I do something uncomfortable I guess yeah and now you probably know that last week we did um a segment on California live and as I was leaving the house like a tv segment with decorating ideas and as I was leaving the house I told my husband like I am so stupid why do I do these things like this is (laughs) I don't why know why agree to this <laughs> just say no and I mean it wasn't that no I probably was more dramatic but I, then I got there and I was like this is so cool and then it just came out yesterday and I didn't I think I did pretty well and so then it was this feeling of like okay okay it was uncomfortable in the moment but I'm capable I can actually accomplish yeah. it and now you're Kelly Lamb TV guest. <laughs> Let's not go. We should make TV you an IMDb profile. Like, we, oh. have to, we have to put your credits out there now. Like, I read somewhere, and I always tell my seven-year-old this, so now I tell myself this: that fear and excitement are very closely related, and sometimes we mistake what they are, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. I like hold on. <laughs> That and like, so, am I yeah. scared or am I excited? Or am I a little bit both? Cause I'm on the line. I think, I don't know. I've found that now that I've experienced some of it. 
That is such a good, maybe I was just really excited (laughs) to go to NBC. (laughs) I mean, you're probably right on the line. Like I'm excited and scared and they both feel really heightened and yes, but you can tell yourself you're excited and try to trick yourself. And you'd still pick staying at home and having a margarita over public speaking. That's so many people. I don't know anyone who's like, first thing I want to do on your resume. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That can't go on the IMDb profile, like prolific margarita consumer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, That is no, that's so true. I think fear and especially I'm sure as designers, like, you know, seeking their first press coverage, there's, I definitely in like working with designers who are pitching, there is a sense of fear or like people will follow up and say, I wanted to make sure, you know, I answered a question and I want to adjust it. Can you change my phrasing? And I sense it's a, it's definitely a combination of like fear, but like excitement that their work will finally be seen. I think it applies to everything. Um, Like roller coasters. Are you afraid? Are you just, I hate roller coasters. Are you just excited? But roller coasters will not get me anywhere. And I still can't put that on my resume. So I feel okay not going on that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But wait, something that's going on Kelly's resume now is being a published author. Author. Of a book, like a full reel out there in the world on like, that's big. Yeah. Thank you. That is one that I... Normally I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. And this, I'm like, this is a very big deal. Um, I can't, it's so surreal. I can, I can't How long, it, how long did you work on it? Like, tell us about the process of creating. Well, um, you know, we put the book proposal together about right, right after Danny acquired Rue and we were set to launch it in print. He said, you know, we also, there's a lot of momentum with this new venture. So let's, Mm -hmm. there should also be a book and why isn't there a book? And there's, you know, 10 plus years of content and beautiful homes and everything just lives online in this like constant algorithm of whether Mm -hmm. people are seeing it. And he really saw it as an opportunity. So I, and I had never had that door open for me. You know, I see everyone, people, not everyone it's, but a lot of people come out with books and see it happen and go, oh, that's so cool. And it just never occurred to me that it was a possibility for me and for what I do. And so I put, I like put my heart and soul into this proposal and we took a lot of meetings and ended up with like the most wonderful publisher at 10 Speed Press, which is like, they're completely surreal. Like they're owned by Penguin Random House, which is referenced often in my favorite movie, You've Got Mail. (laughs) So uh-huh. I'm like, random house? What? Like, it's just all of it was like really out of body and so exciting. And basically that once it was agreed that we would move forward with them, it was like instant, like put your head down and get to work um, and write a book. And that was like a bit, I was like, oh, was, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what do you mean I have to write it right now? Like it, it all happened really quickly. But I think that was beneficial because I wasn't given much time to worry about what it was and instead just get what had been in my head out um, onto a manuscript. And then the thing that a lot of people don't know is that we moved into our new house. I had to get the second issue of the magazine to the printer and the manuscript to 
the first draft of the manuscript to my publisher all on the same week. And so I was like finishing it oh. on like, my desk was like boxes of my clothes, <laughs> just frantically. So it was a, that itself was a very oh, no. fairly quick process. I think maybe four months of the first manuscript. And then we pass it back and forth where they make edits. I mean, they're, they know they're experts. And so they say this phrasing doesn't make sense or let's change this, or could you elaborate more here? And so it was a lot of back and forth um, to kind of refine it and make it beautiful and what people would want versus just my like dream of what a book should be. (laughs) So it was very collaborative once I got the first draft done. Was it hard getting those edits or did no, it make sense? I love it. I love feedback. I'm such a perfectionist that I like crave feedback. Like every mm-hmm. issue of the magazine, if I'm with someone, I'm like, tell me what you didn't like. So <laughs> I can improve it. And I'm, yeah. So I was really enthusiastic for edits and there was nothing. There was nothing. I think the one thing that I was like, well, is I put, I referenced Real Housewives of Salt Lake and they were like, that's too new of a franchise. Like not everyone might. And I was like, but it's the best one. (laughs) Not in the canon. Um, Like, yeah, this might not make it as long as the book lives in the world. Yeah. Um, But otherwise it was like, tell me everything. Like there's a chapter on, um, children's spaces and so I like really relied on my editor like I was like I'm not a mother so I and I say that in the book like referencing this is there's a lot of factors that I'm obviously not qualified to discuss (laughs) but it was about the design and really making sure that I was communicating clearly my points but that also it was relevant for parents versus me just being like, as a cat mom, this is what, you know. <laughs> this is totally what people would want. Yeah, or like yeah. beyond the photos, like to live right. with it. Yeah, so I love, yeah, I love feedback. Even if it's hurtful, just send it. <laughs> that sounds like art school. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would like- imagine like the hardest part would have been like getting the full manuscript, like the first draft birthed and then like, okay, iterations, to me, like yeah. iterations are easy because they're like little chunks. Yeah, I, uh, Amy Bartlam, the photographer, she is a very good friend and a lot of her work is in the book. And I had like a, a weepy FaceTime with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so, I just felt like I was really in over my head. And she was like, well, it just sounds in her posh British, British accent. She was like, it sounds like you're at the bottom of a mountain. And you're just got, you're going to get to the top, but like, you're just, you're looking up it right now. And that was like this weird, perfect friend advice of like, okay, just start going, just start. Start climbing. Yeah. And you know, when you're facing like a huge project and it's like paralyzing, like what do I do first? I think that was the toughest part. And then once it was going, it was like, it was going and you're right. The iterations were really manageable. And more fun because it was like FedEx would show up with like this huge stack of paper. And mm-hmm. like that really felt like I was like cosplaying again, my Kate Hudson rom com dream. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm editing the book. That's cool <laughs> that it's actually like a physical hard copy. I was imagining you'd be like doing word <laughs> like red lines on PDFs or something, but yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah. I mean, my embarrassing thing is I did send like right when I was starting, I did send an email to my editor and I was like, so do I write this in Microsoft Word or what's the best? <laughs> what did they say? That's what I would want to know. They, good. Thanks. I felt so silly. She was like, if you want. Yeah, that's great. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to start a Word document with my book in it. Like, no, <laughs> Google pages, please. Yeah, I didn't know. I was like, where should I be saving these documents? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a portal I need to log into for this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was all like that really was the questions. And I think it comes from I've worked for myself for so long that like suddenly mm-hmm. working with a team, I was like, where do we put all of this? Stuff? <laughs> Am I doing they're, this right? They're like, Kelly, yes, we also use staplers and paper clips at our offices. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a magic thing we use. <laughs> no, uh, I assume they did. I was like the world of publishing, like well, yeah. 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 Now you're like, oh, I'm doing it like the pros. Yeah, I want it. Well, and it comes to, I want to do everything right. I didn't want to let anyone down. So if it wasn't Word, it wasn't going to be typed in Word, but it was. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure to adopt too, but it's still like the fun of it comes out once you can get past that, hopefully. Yeah, it was really, the choosing the layout was more my wheelhouse too. Um, you know, with the magazine, I often write to the images. So like, mm. I'll see the layout first. And then, because that's as a, as a reader, like who a magazine reader, that's like the experience, right. Is this visual journey. And so I would write the copy. I still do write the copy to fit the page and this, they were like, write the book first. And I was like, can I see the layout? (laughs) Like that was like a swap. This isn't my process. It Yeah, it totally wasn't. Um, But then we had this this like video meeting and we went through page by page and chose the layout and that was like the best day of my life like seeing it actually go from this word doc to what the book would look like was like did they give you like page counts like how do you even know yeah okay yeah and did you when you were first doing your first draft were you incorporating photos or yes yeah um so I you know I wrote all the the chapter introductions and all like the bulk of the copy and then did image selects and wrote captions to those and then they adjusted and some images I went over I gave them way more than needed so that was kind of tough of like making the final cut because I wanted hours of stuff yeah 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 so I don't think we said what's the title of oh we should say that question um it's home with real style for everyone and that, you know, um, it's named after our hashtag, like home with Rue, um, mm-hmm. encouraging designers and followers to tag their images. And so it was kind of that thought of it wouldn't be one singular style. It wouldn't be one like location or budget, like page to page is really a lot of variation. So hopefully everyone who reads it will see something that resonates with them. Yeah, that's, I guess, what I was trying to think of, of like a lot of sell a lot of books that are being published by you know designers of their own work yes their perspective is very clear through most of their design work like they try to make sure there's a a heavy through line of why they're putting well that's usually projects that's usually the like intent of the book right like to like get a point of view into a book exactly and so like with with rue it's it's featuring a, a bunch of designers yep 
and yeah. they all have different perspectives on style and finish and and sort of that there's going to be some commonality but how did that impact putting like the book together to create some cohesiveness I think you know I've always prioritized that in the website and then when we launched the magazine like this cannot be a singular style this has mm-hmm. to be something where no matter who whether it's a longtime fan or someone who sees it on the newsstands, like they will see something in there that grabs them or that they connect to. And I think it also comes to wanting, I really want Rue as a publication to feel inclusive and like people are welcome to engage with the content. And if we're having events, everyone is invited versus like a click or you have to have a certain income or you have to have a certain style to be included. Mm -hmm. That is not and maybe it's just my own personal issues where I'm like, everyone is allowed to be there, <laughs> including no, me. No, I love that. Like, everyone can benefit from good design. Yeah. Like when I was beautiful home. When I was hosting Creative Mornings, I was like, I'm like naturally a shy person, and my whole thing was like, I'm gonna create a networking event for introverts. I don't know what that means, but that's like my worst. I hate going to networking events, but. I I did it somehow like people like felt that and they would go like introverts would say I came here alone and I had a great time so I love exactly yeah so and then in the book I mean as you as people look through it they'll see like page to page is really in, in my opinion it's really a beautiful experience in that it does flow but they are all really different spaces and the mm-hmm. other I think the through line really was I try to make it clear I'm not the designer I'm more the the person that is sharing the work of the designer so not taking credit for any of the work and instead you know quoting designers that are featured and also highlighting decisions that they made versus this is me and my work and my wealth of knowledge it's more a platform more community based in general so it made it despite everything looking really different and unique page to page I think made it cohesive somehow (laughs) my brain just somehow created (laughs) do you have like a lens or filter that you choose your rooms whether it's the magazine or the book yeah it's weirdly I always describe it as a puzzle of making sure that it it's really just like putting together this huge puzzle and making sure that I like in the magazine for example as I'm selecting projects for there if I notice that everything is coming from the LA area I go whoops like you're it's turning into a regional publication and so I'll like put a pin on any LA submissions that come in because I know that I need to cast my net further and make sure that there are spaces from the south from the northeast from the midwest like ever you know pacific northwest how am I making sure that there's something where someone will see and like oh I that's where I live or that Mm -hmm. so um with the book it was the same thing of okay, it's starting to look a little California coastal. We got, I have to find some more eclectic spaces. I have to find some more big city spots on the East coast, that type mm-hmm. of thing. So it's this puzzle and it, it's, that is actually the hardest. That's the only thing that I will sometimes get hung up on, like with everything that we do to manage the website and the magazine, those final pieces of like making sure that it's really balanced are like always my biggest hurdle because I it has to be just but you have to find the right piece to finish the puzzle so Mm -hmm. yeah 
So like designers should feel like it, like they could, designers should feel like they could bring you something, even if yeah. they're like, oh, I know they have like a Californian perspective or they happen to be making it in California. It doesn't mean, don't feel like that's the only thing that's going to show up on the pages. 100%. Yeah. Every, um, I'm looking for everything all the time, which means I get too many emails, but there it's like a complete open, our submissions process is like a complete open door for everyone. Even if it's just one room, um, versus a whole project, like we can find a way to share that. I know some publications really, it has to be the full home tour and it has to be completely exclusive. And that makes that that's a really wonderful experience with those publications and I as as a magazine fan enjoy that but for us it's again like I'm a little more flexible with requirements and spaces and what we're looking for do you have any requirements like if it's been in another publication yeah that's case case by case really um you know if just one photo was in another publication but the home as a whole if I can find a way to tell a fresh experience or tell a fresh story make it a new experience for our reader then I'm okay with that but if it's you know we just got like the coolest house in Sacramento actually and I was like this is such a home run it's going to be perfect for the issue and it had been covered in like three magazines you do. You definitely do. And I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, where else has it been published? And they sent the PDFs of the other features. And I was like, we couldn't even use layout to give this a fresh take. So that was like, mostly too, because I want to like respect our reader. The magazine costs money to buy at the newsstand. And I would be so annoyed if I was like, I've seen this photo 400 times. Yeah. Designers pitching should be like, what are, I meant like an editor. So one room you can find a place for sometimes. Is there um, like any photography tips? So that um, I'm probably the most annoying editor because people always ask these questions and I'm like case by case basis. (laughs) I know it when I see it. (laughs) um, Well, I will know, you know, the advice I give first is I think all designers should be investing in their own photography because they then can retain the rights to it. They can use it on their website. And if it is a publication like Rue, they can pitch it to multiple outlets. Some publications Mm -hmm. say it's us and it's us only forever. And that's that. Um, And that is totally fine. For me, my priority is giving designers a platform to grow their business or show their work. And so having your own photography is great. And it also, you know, allows you to be in control of how it's styled and how the images turn out. Um, So if it hasn't been photographed, we do produce a few shoots a year just from scouting images. Um, But I I mean, a recent one, the designer wasn't, at first it turned out beautifully, but I think wasn't super excited with the way we were styling it. Um, And so, I mean, it is so, it's such a personal thing to, it's your creative work. And, and so, it changes the way the room looks completely. Totally. Yeah. So I think my advice is definitely invest in your own photography. And if you have a dream outlet that you want to be published on, see who is photographing most of those features. And mm. so, for example, you'll see a lot of the same photographers' names in Rue. And you can go 
look through and say, okay, that is a photographer I'd love to work with if Rue is your end goal. And I mean, even developing, I'm you too, I'm sure no more than anyone developing a relationship with a photographer makes it from all, you know, every project cohesive on your website and your portfolio as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and the shorthand that you develop with the photographer, yeah. if like prepping for a shoot, knowing what to expect, it's like, everyone does it a little bit different, but it does make it so much faster and easier and shoots are already expensive and time consuming no matter what, but it, it definitely changes it. And then clients look at the projects differently when they realize like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I, I can't ask them to go lower than what's already being put out there. So it does help put like the market, uh, you know, the tideline is already raised a little bit. So that's helpful. Yeah. And I, I mean, we just, we love, um, I, most of the submissions I get are already photographed and I do prefer that because there's large, like a larger image bank for me to choose from and also craft the angle that will suit our readers or suit like the puzzle I'm trying to put together. Mm. Um, and the, I think the only, I often say like the only spaces that don't do super well for us are nurseries and kids spaces. Um, mm. And I'm not sure why, but you know, just analytics, it can be like the coolest room where I would abandon my life to like be a little kid again and live in that. It's like such a cool space and it will completely flop on social media, on the website. I have no- Interesting. I mean, so because it's not- just such a narrow slice of people's lives that if you're no longer in it or never will be in it, you're like- Yes. Or you already have a nursery and you're like, I can't wait until we're out of this phase. Like, <laughs> Or my nursery looks like absolute garbage. So- <laughs> They don't want to be yeah. made to feel bad looking at a beautiful nursery or kids' room. Yeah, it's the only room. Otherwise, we're looking for everything. But even nurseries are the one where I pass most often on because I mm-hmm. want it to be mutually beneficial for mm-hmm. for the designer. You know, I don't want them to. I think any press coverage should benefit both the publication but the person being featured. So sure. Okay, so you. Finish your project. I'm a designer. I finished my project. I get it professionally shot. Do I pitch it to you before I start blasting it all over my Instagram? I think, yes. I think managing expectations with, I've heard a lot of stories of people sharing on their Instagram and then a publication saying, sorry, it's already been, yeah, it's already been out there. Um, for me, I, I'm less stressed about that because I know what a valuable tool Instagram is to designers. And so for me, holding, making them withhold images doesn't really feel right to, you know, especially if we don't have like a firm release date or like, yeah, don't share anything that feels like emotional terrorism. (laughs) Like when I um, see that, like, I mean, I get it, I guess for your full, like, joy cho when she redid her house like i'm like i can't wait a whole like she actually had like a secret house secret that house. she built yeah. <laughs> didn't tell anyone until it was for years in that publication yeah i well and i think there so it's like the fine line or like the balance of for me as an editor i don't know sometimes i feel like well there's not too much point in me putting in all this effort in crafting this unique, beautiful story. And it's a lot of work on our end to get that out there. And so if the Mm -hmm. space has been everywhere and shared 
dozens of times, hundreds of times, and it's really oversaturated. I don't know what the value in me putting that effort mm-hmm. in. And that sounds, yeah. I don't mean for that to sound harsh at all. It's things, so it's just implying like, what is the balance? So if a press coverage, if a big feature is a priority, restraint with what you share on social media, but still being able to share because your your social media is such a valuable tool in attracting new clients and growing your business. So what is the balance between you know, offering sneak peeks or showing some of the spaces, but still getting that experience where you get to like reveal your work in this more old fashioned way. So in that vein, what's realistic? Like I kind of had this happen where a publication asked, oh, so that project hasn't really been shared, but we'll get back to you. And they didn't. And then another publication kind of asked too. I'm like, I don't know what the like statute of limitations is, how much I bug <laughs> the first person. Like ultimately nothing happened, but <laughs> spoiler alert. But uh, that was probably also on me. But yeah, like I don't know what the like I don't, I mean, it's a big publication. Like Obviously, kind of. they're busy. Yeah. Like, I don't, I know I'm not the priority. Um, I think that it is there's a balance, right? And I have kind of a, in the past equated it to like making new friends or dating, like setting mm-hmm. expectations between both parties. And I have heard that I am unique and that I reply. I reply to, unless it's a form, like email that I know my name has just been populated a at lot. the top of it. Oh. A lot. Um, I reply to every email because mostly it, I think comes from when I was a freelance writer, like I found it so disrespectful to like put all this effort into a pitch, know someone received it and not even have the courtesy of a no. So yeah. I try to give it everyone who's pitching the same courtesy um, of a reply in some way. So I think, you know, if you want, the one thing I will say is don't pitch to multiple outlets at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has happened where I've replied and said, this is amazing. We'd love to move forward with the feature. And then they have to come back and say, I'm really embarrassed. So, so-and-so picked it up and it's like, mm-hmm. but you just sent it to me a minute ago. <laughs> like, right. I was pretty quick. So how so, long is um, reasonable to wait between pitches? I would say, um, you know, people are busy. If you don't like send a follow-up maybe a week, a week and a half after your first email, if you haven't heard anything back. Um, and I would say also your own expectations, like what is your number one, how much time are you willing to wait for mm-hmm. where you want the, this to go? Um, and then the other thing that is completely reasonable that I think people maybe feel is too assertive is r- sending an email that says, I haven't heard back from you. I will be taking it to other publications on this date. And that can feel maybe too like pushy. But for me, if I get that, I'm like, oh, oof, I, I have got to a deadline. Like, like last gotta, chance, let me check it. Yeah, I got it because there have been times where I have been late in a reply and they said, oh, we're so, we didn't hear from you. So we took it somewhere else. And I'm like, well, that's on me. That's my fault for not being quicker. Um, and so communicating like this, I've wanted to follow up one more time. If I don't hear from you, I'm going to pitch, start pitching it elsewhere. That is, it sounds like aggressive, but it's so appropriate and like helpful. I think, I mean, it's communication yeah. is key. Yeah. Both. I agree. It's still I a never... business interaction. Like it's not personal against Kelly Lamb of Rue that didn't right. reply to my email. Well, like, and you don't have to be a dick about way, it. But... Like, 
yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is my final notice. I yeah. know. No, it's so helpful. And it, because truly when, when I have replied and I have just been too late because it is hard to manage the, the yeah. amount of submissions, then it's like, I wish I would have known. I would have like hopped to it. The other advice that I have that is I'm going to sound like a dick, but I have God. guaranteed in the amount of the time I've been on this podcast, just talking with you, I have three emails that have come in and I guarantee that they, instead of Rue, have another publication as, oh, yeah. uh, that's okay. Uh, they'll start, paste. They, the email starts strong and it often it's so common. It's like, and I never reply. I never say like for future reference, you might, cause I don't want to be, I don't want to come across rude, but I think it would be really helpful if I started replying, like you should reach That's out to I... those editors. <laughs> yeah. Or like yeah. people copy and paste is like the name of the game. You're sending it to so many places, but if you do decide to send to a new publication, do like a quick proofread mm-hmm. and make sure that you don't end your email with it's my dream to be published in another publication than the one that you're emailing because that i will just say no because obviously it wasn't your dream it wasn't (laughs) i like i'm your fallback dream now (laughs) i can't tell you like the number of times i've like typed and then erased like then you should email them (laughs) but i no. All right. like, we okay. get like, we get submissions for the podcast sometimes and that happens i'm like mm, not luann <laughs> yeah we're well, we're not that podcast but thanks for thinking of us after that but but i don't cool. I, like, I mean you're better if you even reply i just instantly hit delete because now i was well, on i was on a mass email yeah it is a it is an instant delete and i think i had it from like a, a publicist who was in-house at a design firm and i was that one I wanted to reply and be like, just say so like for future, just a, some advice that might be helpful for your next go around is like, just do a quick read. It happens so much. Of course it does. There's, there's so yeah. many great, there's so many great media outlets out there. It's good to diversify where your projects are getting placed, but like have some common sense. But also I mean, I wouldn't send your... it. I wouldn't send a thank you card with the wrong client name on it. Yeah. No. <laughs> And back to your other point that you're, it's also telling you that they just did like a carpet bomb of emails and mm-hmm. you're going to be in now a competition or like, if, if, you know, even if you wanted to do that, you might run into mm-hmm. them already being placed somewhere. And Well, and, well, Sean, you said like, it is still a business. It's a business interaction, yeah. but it also, it, what we do is personal it's what I'm creating is personal the work that Mm -hmm. you're creating and pitching is personal I've made a lot of friends in the industry I'm more inclined to work with people that I want to help versus Mm -hmm. people who need something from me or only want you know it's it's a business transaction but it also is relationships and like you wouldn't you wouldn't go meet someone for happy hour if they kept calling you the wrong name. (laughs) (laughs) I'm busy. Um, Totally. So I think that is there, that is an etiquette that I think is key. And the other thing that is kind of a quick delete um, is I get a lot of DMS on my personal account outside of work hours, which is fine. But like 
that to me, there's like a weird thing. I think it makes sense. Like send a DM on a weekend that says I'm having something photographed and I would like to submit it. Could you no rush, but I'd love to know where to send it. I get like Friday night at like 9 PM when I'm having wine, I'll get like DMS with like 10 photos that are like, can't wait to show. Do you think this is a fit for the issue? And that like suddenly uh, takes me out of my personal, uh, like it, well, I already don't have work-life balance because I'm on social media at nine <laughs> on Friday night. Anyway. <laughs> trying. But, um, you know, I think there is the, the, it, it's like all about a balance. Like it's friendly and we want to create these relationships, but then also yeah. still maintain professionalism and like, what's the best way for me to get this project in front of you um, for you to review it? Like what's your review process type thing? Or people so, will send an so email. So don't DM that, you at nine o'clock at night. DM me if it's about housewives, <laughs> if it's about margaritas. Cats. <laughs> cats. Yeah. Cats. Um, if it's a funny TikTok, but like a professional, like, will you publish this? Can feel like a little like, Ugh, like make me, you know, which there's is like a funny. Flash to it. And there's so many designer, like as designers, we're constantly complaining about clients with demands of hours. Like we know what that's like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe those people um, like it, but maybe they like the cortisol spike um, <laughs> I don't want to deal the, with your problems right now the other one is I just be prepared um like the, my final etiquette tip is be send an email that is well thought out and prepared like are there photos available include them is there something unique about the project include it I get tons mm-hmm. of like quick fired like I just shot a project in Chicago do you want to see it for the magazines I don't know I don't know show me the pictures <laughs> could you describe it to me thoughtfully with the written word <laughs> yeah give me an angle or something that I can work with well yeah like I would imagine like I get one minute of your attention and let me like maximize that impact on you to help yeah. you give me a yes like I mean, everyone talks about like your elevator pitch. I think even if you already have a relationship with an editor or publication, it's still like, an, it's still an elevator pitch as much information as efficiently as possible. What do you to like person. to know about the project? I like to know if, well, first I like to know if there's something interesting about it beyond how beautiful it is. So I'm still a storyteller and I want it. There are, our audience is a lot of designers and people in the industry, but then it is also a lot of people who just love beautiful spaces. And so Mm -hmm. what is unique about the space? Was there, is there a custom piece that was designed with the homeowner? Is there something sentimental? Was there something catastrophic? Like what has happened that makes it a story that would be interesting telling beyond just, I joke in one of the first issue, print issues, there was this stunning home, but I had a really hard time writing it. And I was like, every caption, I was like, look at these stairs. <laughs> now look at this. <laughs> like, it was so beautiful, but there wasn't much like meat to the backstory. Yeah. yeah. So what's special or what, or if it's about you, what is this your first big project? Is this your first, is this your own home? Like just something that will, a hook beyond the visual of it and are you talking like you want like one or two paragraphs max yeah 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 keep Um, it short and sweet don't submit a manuscript (laughs) no it works I those are nice I I do if it's too long you know I don't 
I'll read it later, but you got to Like I'm clicking through a lot. So yeah. Right. Short and sweet. Um, a few, like, I think attaching one image so that they see it upon receipt. And then like, here's a gallery if you are interested in seeing more. Um, mm. And the other thing, always check your links to make sure that it's accessible. Like I'll get a lot of links where it's a private Dropbox account. So make sure that there's no roadblocks to the editor seeing you and seeing your story and seeing the work in one minute. Yeah. Yeah. Very good advice. Really good. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you're going to, if it doesn't work then you're going to move on there, they lost their shot yeah. possibly. Okay. That's really helpful. This is really good for us. And I know that um, there's a, a lot coming up in just the next couple of weeks for Rue. So the summer issue of the magazine hits newsstands yeah. at the end of June Yes. So there's still the spring issue is still on newsstands now, but our summer issue is off to the printer a week from tomorrow and will be mm -hmm. out at the end of June. I'm really it's I'm really excited about it. It's really coming together so beautifully um, as like a magazine. Perfect. I like my imposter syndrome. I'm like, don't say that. Like, but then I love magazines. So I'm like, it's a good one. You're this is a good it. issue. You're in charge. You're the magazine mom. Like you should be proud of everything in it. I I think it's great. Yeah. So newsstands uh, end of June for that. And the book comes out at the end of May and just, well, for us, it's a few weeks out, but by yeah. the time listeners are here, the hotties are hearing this, like it's going to be available the end of the month, but you can already pre-order it online. Yes. Yeah. It's available for pre-order pretty much everywhere books are sold. And um, I'm so grateful, like everything in the industry, it was delayed just a skosh, but it is just here. It's just a little bit, who can complain? Um, and we're doing a book tour, which I'm really excited about the month of June. Um, I'll share everything on Rue's Instagram and we'll have a blog post kind of highlighting everywhere, but we're going to Atlanta, Nashville, Houston, LA and San Francisco with really fun book signings and it's me. So there will be wine at all Yay. of these places. I'll share loads of details, but I think it'll be, it's going to, all of the events will be really great for especially designers and people in the industry um, versus just like an open house meet and greet. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to leave my home and be with people. <laughs> celebrate the book <laughs> yeah. that's the best part of all of it what's the instagram handle for rue so everyone knows where to look for the announcements about the tour and all of those details we are at sign if you're familiar <laughs> <Just> <laughs> i don't that. know if you know yeah uh rue magazine on every facebook pinterest everything it's just rue magazine and then my personal account uh is kelly k-e-l-l-i lamb l-a-m-b underscore i've got an underscore oh. so there's a really oh. lovely whoever has kelly lamb no underscore i think is a realtor and she seems really nice and i never gonna ask her you'll be no. big enough to pay her to buy the handle i would know i feel like that's karma <laughs> right someone was asking if i moved the magazine to the front when i see it and i'm like that's bad karma <laughs> i'll just oh, leave it, it where oh no. but i'll do it you sean you did do it i'm so I was like, you keep doing that. When I see it in the third <laughs> row, I'm like, 
good job third row yeah, no. i'm like let me just spread a few of these in the front like just get them out there for people so they can see them a little more like my friend uh john's home he has this like beautiful historic home in the hollywood hills was on the cover of like uh, an international magazine i can't remember which one and he posted a story literally covering up rue like <gasps> to put his house in front and i was like john that is <laughs> we <rude>. were friends <laughs> i saw that <laughs> i trusted you <laughs> um yeah and i also would like to backtrack and go back on my dm thing please dm me i love that to chat with people on social media just don't send like professional don't ask a professional request on a weekend oh totally fair yeah yeah, yeah. but please reach out I'm love my dms are a flurry and it's like my favorite way to procrastinate so <laughs> yeah please. I feel like that's there's definitely a line and you want it where your submission like you want it in your submission bucket like if you have something floating yeah. off like it, you'll forget I I forget I about forget all the time. yeah things get lost pretty quick on instagram maybe they can address that with the metaverse like yes please yeah uh this i'm so glad you you joined us today kelly thank you so so much thank you both it was so fun and we'll put a link to everything in the show notes listeners so you can find i'll put the submission link in there as well as all the socials and the pre-order and it's going to be, it'll be out within a couple days when this goes, when we're live here. So, so. Yay. so you'll Yay. just see me at every bookstore in the LA area. Like, <laughs> in. <laughs> well, I'm going to try to see you in San Francisco. So I'll be following for those dates. Yay. I'll send all, all the details. That one will be so fun and fun to go back to like oh, yeah, where I roots. started. The Roo yeah. Roots. The Roo <laughs> See, it already writes itself. Oh, that's a note for me to for me to stop. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, until Thank next you. time. Stay hot, designers. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. I like screamed at the finale. Like, scream. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. Not gonna <laughs> don't say, tell me. but it's like the worst cliffhanger ever. I won't say anything other than I was standing on my sofa. <laughs> standing. I would, okay, I'm going to have to watch have it. if it wasn't On midnight. my sofa. And then my phone was like, ring, ring. And the designer was like, hey, I've got a great project. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Not today.